Capital appreciation has managed to maintain its half-year payout of shareholders. An interim dividend of 4.25 cents has been declared. This is even as the fintech group faced a tougher trading environment where economic conditions temporarily delayed orders and the commencement of some projects. The group says that there is high demand for capital appreciation products and services and the firm's new diversified revenue streams continue to present opportunities for growth and expansion. Given this, the management is confident that the company's performance in the second half will exceed that of the first half. And now joining us for a closer look at that report in greater detail is CEO at Capital Appreciation. That's Brad Sachs. Uh, Brad, thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too. Thank you so much for being with us today, uh, Brad. Maybe reflecting on the year that has been, we are looking here at uh, headline earnings more than a doubling. Talk to us about the period in review, how you're feeling about it, but maybe even uh, looking at the macros that may have contributed to this performance. So what we reported on was for the six months um, ended September. And so this has been a very difficult trading period for us, given the macro and microeconomic conditions that are affecting South Africa and how those have filtered through to some of our customers and their willingness to spend money on new projects, new capital investment, etc. But in that environment, I would say we have done exceptionally well. It demonstrates the resiliency of our business. Mm. Our cash flow from operations was up about 55% from the prior period. Uh, we are a cash flow positive organization. We did see a top line growth of up 3% in our software business. We were up uh, 31% year on year. And um, we continue to see good trends for the continued demand for our software services, as well as our payment capabilities. You also brought Dariel Solutions on board over this period. Uh, Brad, speak to us about this and what that has done for this set of numbers as well. So Dariel um, was acquired, we announced the acquisition in March of this year and it became effective as of June. So we were able to reflect three months worth of trading for Dariel. Um, and we were very pleased by the performance of the group. We now have a software division that has over 525 people, most of those being engineers, which positions us exceptionally well for pursuing larger projects more diversified projects, and we've been able to use those resources to expand into other verticals as well. We are traditionally a very focused organization on financial services and retail, but with the introduction of Daryl, we have some exposure into the leisure sector as well as the mining sector. And the trends which have affected financial services, meaning everything going digital, and the demand for our services continues to affect almost every industry in the economy. And so we're delighted to have augmented our team to pursue incremental opportunities as they evolve. Right, I'm also keen to get some insights on margins over this period. We have seen a, a rather a high cost environment. Uh, let's talk about how you have managed uh, margins uh, over this six months. So this is a tale of two stories. In our payments business, our margins have increased. It is a function of the benefits of scale 
and the optimization of our operations, as well as the heavy focus that we have placed on software and software development and software licensing. So those have added to improve margins in our payments business. In our software business, we've had a contraction of margins, a, a result of two things. One is we have sold some incremental services and products at lower margins just because of the nature of that service. But the other is we had historically anticipated the growing demand for the solutions that we provide. And this time we didn't get it quite right. We planned in advance of projects actually starting and we, and we had the resources ready to deploy against those opportunities, but the opportunities were delayed in their start dates. So we carried the cost without recognizing the revenue. So the result of that is a contraction of margins in our software business. But we are confident that we have um, been able to remedy that, that problem and have addressed it and will start to see improved margins going forward. Also keen to get some insights on a Gov chat in the past. We'd heard of it being a business rescue um, and, uh, you know, trying to turn that business around that had a negative impact of earning, on earnings. Uh, Brad, where are we with a Gov chat? So GovChat is a is a sad story in how it in how it's evolved. Um, it was a enterprise development initiative of ours. We were confronted by some actions taken by WhatsApp and Meta, which we deemed to be anti-competitive. We lodged a complaint with the tribunal. We were successful, and an inquiry was undertaken by the Competition Commission. The Competition Commission agreed with us and after a years long investigation has now started to prosecute Meta, Facebook, WhatsApp for anti-competitive conduct. We asked to have the opportunity to intervene and be a participant in that prosecution. That was a long process, but the tribunal ultimately found in our favor. So we now are a party in that process to help the Competition Commission in their prosecution. And um, we have terminated the operations of GovChat, so we will not be incurring any costs any longer. It is um, relatively difficult for us as a commercial organization to deal with the public sector. Um, but we have also come to an agreement with some other interested parties who will join us in funding the litigation costs that we have going forward against Meta. So we are hopeful that once the tribunal ultimately finds in our favor and in favor of the Competition Commission, we will be in a position to lodge a claim against Meta for damages that GovChat has suffered. We'll be watching that one very closely. I'm also keen to get some insights on layup as a business. Uh, you know, because there's so much access to credit in South Africa, uh, laybys uh, have uh, taken a backseat. But with layup, uh, you have insights here to a part, I think, of uh, South Africa that many don't. Speak to us about this segment, uh, Brad. How bullish are you on uh, this part of your business? So it's really early days for layup as a business. So the growth rates are exceptionally high, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that they're off a low base. But over Black Friday, I think it's really interesting to, to know 
that a lay-by was done for a product that was in excess of 400,000 rand, which is tremendous. Now, you can't, there are lots of credit products available, but nobody is going to give you short-term credit for 400,000 rand. In the context of a lay-by, you can do that. So there is no credit limit, there is no maximum, and there is no minimum. We have rolled out layer in pick and pay. It was done as a proof of concept. They asked us to start in four stores and they gave us some key performance metrics that they wanted to measure the, the solution against. It outperformed those, those KPIs by orders of magnitude. It was an exceptionally successful rollout. We have now increased the, um, the solution to also be in the Table Bay um, store at the waterfront. And um, it is performing very nicely. So we are hopeful that it will continue to roll out within the pick and pay estate over time. And it is a solution which the market desperately needs, particularly those that are suffering from financial inclusion challenges. This is a solution that starts to bring people into the broader economy. Very interesting, Owen. I must then ask you, uh, before I let you go, Brad, on uh, AI and how you are expecting that to feature in a capital appreciations operations. So we are embracing AI um, very, very effectively. We're doing it in a number of different ways. It's not only in developing solutions for our customers, which we are using AI tools to do that, ChatGPT and other um, large language models as well, but we are using it internally to help drive our efficiencies as an organization in terms of product development, solution development, um, managing our estates, there are a lot of functions that we think AI is applicable to, and we're deploying it throughout the organization. I think we've got about 30 seconds uh, left, uh, Brad, but let's quickly then touch on the outlook uh, for uh, you know, the remainder of the period for a capital appreciation, but also just looking at the general macroeconomic environment that we find ourselves operating in right now. So globally, people are starting to, to think that the, the markets are turning, at least in the United States, Europe and other markets may be less so. In South Africa, I think there is a big political undertow that we have to be very conscious of. Our customers are starting to spend a little bit more now than they were earlier in the year. So that's a positive for us, but I think it is a very early stage green shoot as opposed to it being indicative of what's of what the longer term will be. Um, the problems with ESCOM are a big issue which are affecting many industries across the economy. But we as an organization are pretty bullish about what our second half looks like relative to our first half. And we continue to believe that all of the services and products that we offer are ones that have a long-term strong demand and will be a catalyst for future economic growth. So um, we're pretty pleased about where the group and each of the businesses is positioned. Well, Brad, thank you so much for taking us through this set of numbers. It's been great hearing from you. That was CEO at Capital Appreciation, Brad Sachs.